Good morning, everyone. I hope you have a wonderful day. We continue. We left off from Sachim 92b, ninth chapter, second line from the bottom. So we had an argument between Reb Nachman and Reb Sheshis, person who was distant, who was in the, far away from Yerushalayim at the time of the Harvim Pesach. So he's exempt from bringing a Karvim Pesach and he gets to do it the second time around. What if he has someone offer it for him? Is, he, is it allowed? So Reb Nachman says, of course he's allowed. He should be blessed. Taylor is just exempting him. He can wait till the second Pesach, but if he wants to have an agent do it for him, and then he can join the Pesach Seder and partake from it, Mazel Tov, good. Abshaysha says, no, it's prohibited. So yesterday we learned of Nachman, where he learned, where he derived what's the source for his opinion. Now we're going to learn Abshaysha. I'm Abshaysha, as we know, I mean, where do I know this from? That the Torah says you're not allowed to, it's not an option, you cannot bring, if you're not present, if you're on a road and you're far away, you're not present, you're not allowed to bring a carbon Pesach. Where do I know this from? says, if a person was impure, if a person was in a distant road, just like someone who's impure. He really could bring a carbon. He can send someone to offer it for him. And nevertheless, nevertheless, the Torah says, you're not allowed to. Really, theoretically, he could bring. But nevertheless, the Torah says, you're not allowed to bring. So, so too, the Torah juxtaposes when someone who is in a distant road far away. Also, even though theoretically he could bring, he could have someone bring it for him, he could have his friend, the relative, bring it for him. Nevertheless, the Torah says he's not allowed. So this seems to be a clear proof to Rav Sheshus. Rav Nachman, Nachman will respond, he says, Rabbi Kiva is being consistent, yes, that's clearly what Rabbi Kiva says. Rabbi Kiva definitely holds this, because Rabbi Kiva is consistent with his opinion. Because Rabbi Kiva holds, in Sheikh dem v'zerkin al you're not allowed to. You're not allowed to uh, offer the carbon Pesach if you came in contact with uh, one of the eight uh, dead uh, shrots yeah, yeah, yeah. that contaminates you. Even though, even though you can go to the mikveh and you can be ready to partake and participate in the meat, in the carbon Pesach that night, nevertheless, he holds you're not allowed to. But I hold him, Nachman says, according to the opinion, you are allowed to. So when the Torah says, we're talking about someone who's not, who came in contact with a corpse impurity. And it's not the seventh day. So he cannot, uh, he cannot, uh, he cannot eat the carbon paste of that night. He's in a state of impurity. So too, when the Torah says, so therefore, when the Torah juxtaposes, the one who's in the distant road, to the tummy, just like is is, just like the tummy, you don't have an option. It's not possible for you. You're not capable. It's not possible for you to bring carbon based. So to derech also, it's not possible. Wait a second. I can understand that tumas meis. You need seven days, and then you have right. to dunk a nick. And whereas uh, tumas shirts, also at nighttime, you're ready to yeah. go. So yeah. why isn't that a guy can't uh, have someone offer because there's nothing tummy about him? He just I'll be there at six o'clock and time to eat it, right? 
No, that's, that's, what, that's what we learned earlier. That's the argument. Since now you're in a state of tumma, therefore he says you're not allowed. And he says when the Torah says that there were tummy maize, also was the seventh day. That's what they asked. Why? Why should they? Maybe they should be able to bring. Let them bring, and they'll they'll be ready to go to go at night. He says no, you're not allowed. The rabbis learn These are those who have to bring the carbon Pesach Pesach Sheni Not the first time Azavin Those who have like a gonorrhea type of secretion Males have a Azavin Women who see blood Not in the time of menstruation Lepers And women who are lepers We need this Men- menstruate, this, and those who, have, who are intimate with them, have relations with them while they're menstruating, who also become contaminated by Yeledis and those who give birth, so the blood contaminates them. If it was a mistake, you, you, you confused the dates, Vandusin, out of your control, out of your hand, you couldn't. Those were intentionally. You didn't, you chose not to bring the first pesa. That's not. So then you can bring the second pesach. You still can bring even yes. though you intentionally yes. violated. Yes, uh, absolutely. The tambe, someone who is impure, you are on a, on a distant road. Imkain, if that's the case, why does the Torah spell out tambe? Only tambe. What are you asking, Lamanamar? He's saying, even if he wants to, we don't let him. Even if he wants to bring in the first, he cannot bring. If someone should slaughter for him, so Titus is telling us he can. So what are you asking? So the question is, no. The question is, why does the Titus say that? Someone who's in a distant road, why does he single out Derechechechechech? What's he coming to teach me? It's not just Derechechechech, you just listed a whole bunch of cases where you have to bring a pace of Shani. Not only someone who's in a distant road. And the answer is, Lepaitim and Akaris, that he's exempt from Karis. That he's exempt from Karis, or Lamanda Amr, according to the opinion that holds that someone can bring it for him. And according to Mandama, that holds that since someone he could theoretically he could send someone to offer it for him, even though he's not going to make it in time for the slaughter, and he didn't. So you would think he should get cutters. He's liable. What do you mean? You should have. You should have. So Titus says, no, you're exempt since you're not present. Since he can't be present, you're far away, too far to be present at the time of the slaughtering. So therefore, therefore you're exempt, even though theoretically you could have had a carbon pizza brought for you. Yeah. So that's the novelty, the innovation. There it says you're exempt. In the case of intentional, you're not exempt. You're high of Kardis. You intentionally did not violate it. It's a positive commandment, bring carbon pizza. And if you don't, 
intentionally don't bring one? You're in your shalayim, you're pure, you're inside, and you refuse to bring. Then you get karis. You get the ultimate penalty. Your life gets cut off. What do you mean? Uh, killed? Karis in the hands of heaven. Hashem. Hashem. Hashem, Hashem cuts your soul off. Your life. Don't live too long. But but the uh, but the, the case of Derech Echeika, the Tejah is telling me that even though you could have, you had an option, you chose not to, Nevertheless, you're exempt from colors. Now the Gemara asks, Isha b'sheni michayev. Is a woman obligated to bring a carbon Pesach in the second Pesach? She missed the first Pesach, she obligated to bring the second Pesach. The question he's asking, you just listed, you said, that these are the ones who make a carbon Pesach in the second Pesach. And you listed a woman who menstruates, a woman who sees blood not in the time of her, of her menstruation, a woman who gives birth. Are women obligated? The mother is asking, are women obligated to bring a carbon Pesach? I would think that only those two that the Torah spells out, someone who was impure and someone who was in a distant road, they're obligated to bring a carbon Pesach, Pesach Shein. But Zov, in Minayim, how do I know someone, um, a male who had like a gonorrhea type of secretion in Mitzrayim, and those who are lepers of Belenidas, and those who are intimate with the women who menstruate, how do we know that they too have the option, who therefore couldn't bring the first Pesach? How do we know that they're allowed to bring the second Pesach? Tamad Leimar, Ish, Ish. So Tadus says, Ish, Ish. Tadus coming to add. All of these cases. But again, he only says, Ish, only a man. Tater's only adding that a man, in addition to Tamir, Derech Echeka, were only adding cases where a man could not bring the first Pesach. But it doesn't say anywhere that a woman has to bring a carbon Pesach Sheni if she misses the first Pesach. Heavenly Mother Kasha, it's not a contradiction. There's two, there's two different opinions in the, amongst the rabbis. There's actually three opinions, but when it comes to the women, and he explains. Uh, no, we learned earlier. Remember, we learned the other day. Abiyasi says that women are obligated in the second Pesach. So that's the first Brais. It says women are equally obligated in the second Pesach. Just like the men, just like the first base. And Rabbi Yehuda says, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon, actually it's uh, Rabbi Yehuda who says that women could, and not an obligated, but they could. Um, Rabbi Shimon says that women are excluded from the second place. So it's an argument amongst the rabbis. Tan the Rabban and the rabbis learned. It's a very interesting argument, three-way argument. Tan the Rabbanon, Chayef Kodesh Alarishin, Chayef Kodesh Alashen, Behold, that a person who intentionally did not bring the first Pesach, he gets Kodesh. And what if he intentionally did not bring the second Pesach? He gets Kodesh. We're not talking about the same person. He can't die twice. Uh-huh. <laughs> you already cut off the first time. Your soul is cut off. You can't get cut off again. And we're not talking about a, a sin offering. You have to bring two sin offerings. Because let's say a person was intentional the first Pesach. 
And then he also wasn't intentionally did not bring the makeup, the second Pesach. Huh. So you should get two sin offerings, like two separate sins. No, because there's no sin offering if you don't bring a carbon Pesach. Even though your life gets cut off, any uh-huh. punishment where the penalty is your life gets cut off, you bring a sin offering. Because a sin offering is only on a prohibition, not on a positive commandment. Here was a positive commandment to bring uh-huh. a carbon Pesach. Uh-huh. So there is no sin offering. But he means to say, he's going to say, what if the first time around was unintentional? It was a mistake. There's no cutters the first time around. Or he was too far away or something. Yeah, and the second time around, he was in Yerushalayim. He was pure, and he chose not to bring Karim Beza. So he gets cutters. Mm-hmm. Life gets cut off. That's the opinion of Rebbe. Rabnasan argues. Rabnasan says, Chayif cutters al-Rishen, upater al-Rishen. You're, the moment you don't bring a carbon Pesach intentionally, the first Pesach, your life gets cut off. Mm-hmm. Now, you're still obligated to bring a second Pesach to make up, yeah. but, but you still get cutters. Your life is going to cut and your life will be shortened because you didn't bring the first Pesach. Oh, that makes sense. What if you were unintentional the first Pesach and the second Pesach, you intentionally did not bring the second Pesach? You, 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 there's no cutters. There's no penalty for cutters. Mm-hmm. The second time. Even the first one, you're not high of cutters. The second Pesach is a continuation of the first Pesach. So therefore, you're not, you can't, even if you intentionally did not bring the first Pesach, there's no cutters because you can still make up for it. It's not over yet. Yeah. Until the second Pesach, it's not over. It's only if both of them, the first time around and the second time around, you intentionally chose not to, then you get cutters. Mm-hmm. But if, if, if the first time around you chose uh, intentionally not to bring it, mm-hmm. and then you still have the second Pesach to make mm-hmm. up for it, yeah. and the second Pesach you forgot, mm-hmm. there's no cutters. Because it's only if it's both the first and the second are intentional, then only that you oh. get cards. Because it's considered like one continuation. Mm-hmm. So we have a three-way argument. Right. Remember, Rabbi, Rab Nassim, and Rabbi Chanadim right. and Akavi. And they're following their opinion. Tan, you want to know A convert who converts. Between the first Pesach and the second Pesach. A minor who became bar mitzvah. Between the two, the two Pesachs. Between the first Pesach and the second Pesach. So is he obligated to bring a carbon Pesach Shani or not? So he says, You're obligated to bring a carbon Pesach. Because it's like a new yamtif. So now you became obligated. Now it comes Pesach Shani, the 14th of Iyar. Obligated to bring a sacrifice. The convert, the newly Jew, and the the, the bar mitzvah boy is obligated mm-hmm. to bring a sacrifice. That's the opinion of Rebbe. Abnasan name it. Abnasan says, "Kol shazakuk l'rishen, zakuk l'sheni." Kol sheni zakuk l'rishen, zakuk l'sheni. No, the the, the, the second pesach is only to make up for the first pesach. Only someone who was obligated the first pesach is obligated to bring the second pesach. If you weren't obligated to bring the first pesach, you were he was a guy. Or he was a minor, 
So even though in between he became a, a bar mitzvah or in between he converted, there's no obligation, there's no Pesach Sheni. Pesach Sheni is just a makeup for the first time. There's no first, there's no second. Hmm. He's got a good point. Am I What are they arguing? It's a separate yantam. Separate yant. It's a yant for in its own right. And I'm not so I'm not holds a shiny tashlum in the rishon. No, the second is a makeup for the first time. If you missed it the first time, the traders are giving you a second chance to make up for it. Right. But it's it's a makeup. But it doesn't fix it. In other words. If you didn't bring the first time, you can bring the second time. But it doesn't fix it. If the first time around you intentionally did not bring a carbon Pesach, you right. get cutters. I can't fix it. I can't fix it. Even if you bring one. Even if you bring one, the second one. Right. Right. You can't fix it. Right. It's not fixable. Right. You violated the positive mitzvah of a cutters. Right. And you're going to get the, you're going to get, you're going to suffer the consequences. Mm-hmm. But you have to bring a second Pesach. You're going to bring a second Pesach, but I can't fix what I messed up. That's his opinion, though. The second one is a, is fixes the first one. Mm-hmm. So so as long as as long as I still have Pesach yeah, Sheni, right. still have a chance, yeah, I still yeah. I can fix what I messed up. So if, even if the first time, I intentionally did not bring a carbon Pesach, mm-hmm. there's no cutters yet. I can still fix it. Mm-hmm. If I bring the second one around, then there's no cutters. Mm-hmm. I fixed the mistake that I made. You fixed it. I fixed it. That's a hassle. Yeah. Seems like nobody agrees here. <laughs> and he says, and the Gemara says, and all of three of them derive it from the same verse. Hmm. It says, a person who was pure. And the Bedarek he wasn't far away on the road, far away. Rabbi Savar, Rabbi Hold, Rechodelasis Hapesach. And he didn't make the pace of a nichrisa. So he says, see, Rebbe learns that we interpret the verse as follows. He did not bring the Pesach in the first first Pesach. Or, it says, Ki could mean different things. He interprets ki means if. Another scenario. Im carbon he could have If he did not the second Pesach, the second time, the second Pesach, he did not bring a carbon. Inami carbon he could have Then he carries his sin. And according to Rebbe, it means his life will get cut off. How do you know that carrying a sin means the penalty of uh, the ultimate severe penalty of Hashem cutting off your soul? We continue in 93b. When it says you, you, you blaspheme, it means you curse Hashem. It says someone who curses Hashem, he will carry his sin. So the gomer hai chete the hachem chete hachem. It says magadif. It says it says your life will get cut off. So here it says the same language. It says menasa chete, just like over here. So the Torah is telling us that if first the Torah finishes with the first pesa, someone yeah. who was impure, 
he wasn't impure, and he wasn't in a distant, far away. He wasn't in a distant road. He was in Yerushalayim, in the base of Mignosh, and he was pure, and he chose not to. So his life gets cut off. Then the Torah adds, and if he didn't bring the second Pesach, also he will carry his sin, the same exact wording, same exact language which the Torah uses by someone who curses Hashem, and here the penalty is your life gets cut off. Mm-hmm. So the Torah is telling you, if you don't bring the second Pesach, your life is cut off. Mm-hmm. So it's independent holiday, it's an independent uh, obligation. That Let's say the first Pesach it was a mistake. You weren't in a position to bring so you, bring the, so you have the second Pesach. But the second Pesach, you chose not to bring. You're in your Shalayim, you're in Pure, in the Temple, and you chose not to bring intentionally. So then your life gets cut off. Not for the first one. The first one, there was no life. Your life doesn't get, get cut off. The first one, you're exempt. But the second one, Titus telling you that your life gets cut off. You carry your sin, your life gets cut off. So the second one is just as holy as exactly. the first one. Exactly. Of course, even according to the Rebbe, if you bring the first one, you don't have to bring the second one. He's not saying it's a separate yamt if you have to bring two paschal lambs. No. If you bring one, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Then you're done. You only have to bring once a carbon pesach. Yeah. First or second. Once. Period. But he's saying each one is its own yamt that if you show, when the Torah says you have to bring the second pesach, this is your first time, and you didn't bring it, intentionally your life gets cut off. Can someone make the statement, I know I'm going to be far away for the first pesach. So I, my mindset is I'm going to bring pace of Shani. Yeah, if you're far away, then, then you're exempt. You make the mindset of I had a schedule, you know? Right. You're asking, do you have to make sure that you should, shouldn't be far away? <laughs> well, that's true. Is there an obligation on you, you to make sure you shouldn't be far away? Is there an obligation on you to make sure you're not Tomei? Is that considered intentional? Well, you, can't, you can't speak for it, but if you know you're going to be far away. Extenuating. He says, that's how Rebbe interprets the verse. Oh. Rabbi Nassim saw, but Rabbi Nassim interprets the same verse differently. Someone who was not impure, the title is saying. And he was not far away. And he chose not to bring a pace. Avanichah says, life gets cut off. Mm-hmm. And then the title continues. Key, key is a reason. Key is not an independent clause if... He is explaining the reason why. This is what the Torah is saying. Because he did not bring a carbon the first time, the first base, and therefore he deserves to get his life cut off. So what is what is Chetisi will carry his sin? What's he coming to teach me? He said, he said the end of the verse is explaining the first verse. Why is his life get cut off? Because he chose not to bring the carbon Hashem, this holy sacrifice. So what is the Torah adding his sin he will carry? So Ramnasan said, the mother says, Ramnasan holds, because Ramnasan holds, Megadev Megadev, I wouldn't know it means cursing Hashem. I would think it means something else. I would think it means uh, uh, singing songs or poetry to, to the idols. And I learn the chete from Megade from here. Just like over here is Kadris, so too Megadif is also Kadris. 
By Megadev, it says clearly that you get cutters. It says clearly. But the question is, what is Megadev? Shabnasan holds Megadev could mean a, a, an oral form of worshipping idols, singing praises to the idol, singing songs, poetry. So the other Torah says life gets cut off. But, but it says if someone curses Hashem, it says he will carry a sin. I don't know what it means, carry a sin. What punishment is that? So we learn from here, just like over here, someone who doesn't bring a carbon Pesach, your life gets cut off, and the Torah uses the expression, you carry a sin. This comes to teach me that when the Torah says, someone who curses Hashem, nothing to do with idolatry, cursing Hashem, you, you, you carry a sin, it means your life gets cut off. Okay, so that's how Rav Nassim interprets the verse. But nevertheless, he holds that the verse is only referring to the punishment of Karis, for not bringing a carbon Pesach, only refers to the first Pesach, the first carbon. Uh-huh. holds the same verse. He says, he interprets the verse as follows. And he says, Ki, he interprets like Rabbi, Im, if, if, Im, Karban Hashem, Lehikli, It's a condition, it's a clause, it's a condition. When do we say that you get cutters for not bringing, for intentionally not bringing the carbon paste of the first time around? You were pure, you were in the base of Migdash, you stood there and you chose not to bring. So the Taylor says, Your punishment is your life gets cut off. When? If the second Pesach you don't bring. Because if you do bring a second Pesach, you can still fix it. You can undo, you can fix the mess that you made. Right. So only if you don't bring the second Pesach, only then do you get cutters for if, if the second Pesach you did it intentionally. The second Pesach came around. Hashem gave you a second chance. Yeah. And you stood, you were pure, and you were not too far away. You were in the base of Migdus during the second Pesach as well. Both the first Pesach and, and you chose not to bring. You were intentional, both the first and the second. Only then do your life, does your life get cut off. That's mm-hmm. Rabnasan's opinion. Mm-hmm. What is, why does he have to repeat Cheta Yisra will carry a sin? You're saying it's, it's, it's the same thing. It's, it's clarifying. The end of the verse is clarifying when do you get cutters. My said, like we just said, yeah. that otherwise Magadif does not mean cursing Hashem. The Magadif, it says clearly you get cutters, but Magadif is a form of, of idolatry. The Torah says you curse, you'll carry a sin. I don't know, I don't know what punishment this is. So the Torah is clarifying, basically, using the language here, that he's a carry a sin, is teaching me, just like in this case, he gets cutters, so too, if he curse Hashem, he gets cutters. So says, what does Mekadeh um, mean exactly? What does? Mekala, Hashem? Yeah. Cursing Hashem. Oh, oh. There's a word here, Mekadeh. Kadeh. Megadev, Megadev. So it depends. Rebbe holds Megadev means cursing Hashem, and Rav Nassim and Rav Chanan Mekavi hold Megadev means a form of idolatry, a form of oral, orally worshiping idols, singing that's songs less, of the idols. No, no, that's a separate thing. Oh. Nothing to do with cursing Hashem. It's, oh. it's, it's worshiping the idol. Oh. The question is, it says, it says, when you will curse Hashem, you carry a sin. I don't know what punishment it is. So Rebbe says that uh, that. Uh, um, cursing, Megadif is cursing Hashem. The Torah says clearly, Megadif, your life gets cut off. Uh-huh. 
So therefore, I, I know what it means. Yeah. Carry your sin. It means your life gets cut off. But but the uh, Rebbe and Avnasan say no. Gadif is talking about idolatry, yeah. worshiping idols, orally worshiping idols. Yeah. So when it says, and there the title says your life gets cut off. But when it says you curse Hashem, it says you carry your sin. I don't know what punishment is this. So I need this verse from Karpin Pesach to reveal to me, to clarify. It uses the same code, the same language to teach me that there when it says you carry your sin, if you curse Hashem, it means your life gets cut off. Right. Hilka, so what's, in, what's the difference between these three opinions? If intentionally you didn't bring the first Pesach, and intentionally didn't bring the second Pesach, according to everyone, it's going to everyone, your life gets cut off. You didn't fix it. If, if it was a mistake the first time around, it was a mistake the second time around, according to everyone, there's no cutters. What if the first time you intentionally did not bring the carbon Pesach? You were pure, you weren't far away, you were in the base of Migdash, and you chose not to bring. When you're Shalai, you chose not to bring. And, but the second time around, you were going to bring the second time to make up. And you forgot the second time around. Mm-hmm. According to Rabbi, according to Rabbi Nassim, you're, you're liable, you're obligated. Because you became obligated the first time. The Torah gave you a chance to make up for it. But you didn't make up for it. it, it, it I, but, I, but it wasn't my fault. You already you already were obligated to get cutters. The first Pesach, you're already obligated to get cutters. The Torah gives you a chance to make up for it. You didn't make up. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't my fault. It was a mistake. It was an accident. Mm-hmm. Tough luck. The cutters you already got. The punishment you already got. The Torah gave you a chance to make up for it. But if you didn't make up, it's, it's tough luck. And, um, you but the says, no, the second one is a continuation of the first one. You don't become obligated to cut us until the second time around you intentionally did not bring the second time around. Since mm-hmm. the second time around was unintentional, therefore you're okay. You know, I think the person that's unwittingly the first time, he forgot what day it was or whatever, he was in the desert, he didn't know what when Shabbat Oh, that, that's what he's saying now. Shabbat if the first time was unwitting. Yeah. The second time was willingly, intentionally did not bring it. According to Rebbe, it's a separate yamtif. You become obligated. Question is, what if Mashiach comes between the first Pesach and the second Pesach? All are the Jewish are people are, are the Jewish people going to bring a carbon pesach? Because we learned, if you remember, we learned when do you bring a carbon pesach? Only if the Jewish people brought a first pesach. Then individuals bring a second pesach, but not the whole congregation. But nevertheless, the chiddush says no. It's only in the case where the community was impure. The community is impure. Then they bring it in a state of impurity. But here, it's not our fault. We couldn't bring a carbon Pesach. There was no temple. Mashiach didn't come yet for whatever reason. So therefore, it wasn't our fault. So he says, surely the Jewish people will bring, will bring um, a carbon Pesach. Uh, Mashiach comes. If Mashiach comes between the two. It's my opinion that we say Masabarishis and we. Next mission, Zakhtelikim mission, Ezel, that What do you mean far away? 
So he says, like Medium was a certain distance from Yerushalayim, and anywhere around Yerushalayim is a distance from Medium to Yerushalayim. If you're there, that's called far away. You're standing right outside the courtyard. You're already outside. I'm late, Rabbi Yehis. Rabbi Yehis, he said, "Lefichach nakut al hay." That's what it says. Derech rechayka. It's it's there's a dot on top of the hay to minimize it. Loim neshadachik vaday el meskubas hazadel lechutz. When he's to minimize, derech rechayka means a distant road. So he's minimizing, not really distant. He's outside. Or Rashi says, "Derech rechayka." The the dot takes away, removes the letter hay. If you remove the letter hay, then it's derech rechayk. Derech is in the feminine. So then, if it's Rechaika, Rechaika is coming to qualify. What kind of way are we talking? What kind of road are we talking about? A road, a way, that's Rechaika, that's far. But if you say Derech Rechaik, means Derech Rechaik, you or the person is this. The moment you're on the way, the moment you're not inside, you're not inside the courtyard, you're ready Rechaik, you are this. You're ready automatically, you're ready far away. From Medin to Yerushalayim is 15 mil. A mil is like 3,000 feet, a little more than 3,000 feet. Mm-hmm. Like 3,100 feet. Mm-hmm. So 15 mil, 15 mil is 45, yeah, like 45 or more, 46, 46, yeah, yeah. a little more than 46,000 feet. So that's, um, you're talking about seven miles, six, over six and seven miles, six, over six miles. No, over uh, seven miles. No, no, don't, I'm sorry, we're talking about, uh, so that's, yeah. Eight, eight miles, over eight miles. Uh-huh. Eight miles away from the temple. Eight miles away from the temple. Uh, for, from from Yerushalayim. So anywhere from that distance. Savalai holds. How much does a person travel by foot in a day? I saw the parsois. Parsois four mil. That's forty mil. So you're talking about over 120,000 feet. So you're talking about the person can travel Person can travel like over over twenty miles, twenty two miles uh, a day, walking. Mm-hmm. You can walk a day. You can walk, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> from so explain me from dawn until sunrise. Hamesh's mill, five mil. What's the denominator? <laughs> A mil is, is 3,000 feet. So five mil is uh, 15,000 feet. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a less than three miles. 
That's the time from dawn until until sunrise. From the sunset until the stars come out is also the same exact measurement. What's left over? 30, 30 mil. From the morning from sunrise till noon. The Yema. And 15 mil from from noon until sunset. So he says, 15 mil. So Ulu, the time Ulu is following his reasoning, the Ulu says, hey, what, what do you mean far away? If he's far away, that he can't make it to the time of when they offer the sacrifices, which is in the afternoon, which really begins from noontime until sunset. Because really, the time to bring a sacrifice begins the moment the clock strikes 12 o'clock noon. Even though we said that the time to bring the carbon Pesach begins at 12.30, it's only because in the Beis Hamikdash the walls were very thick. So the shade, the, the, the shade of the sun, you couldn't recognize the shade of the sun until 12.30. But in a straight wall, if the wall, if the bottom of the wall would be the same as, the, as on the top of the wall, then you can immediately tell that it's afternoon. From 12 noon, the sun already starts shifting. So you already have a shade. Mm-hmm. And in the West. So really, biblically, you can bring the carbon pesos starting at 12 noon. Mm-hmm. But only until sunset, because you're not allowed to sprinkle the blood after sunset. So you have those, those, those six hours. Mm-hmm. And Nisan, everything is equal. Tishrei and Nisan is when the hours of the day are equal. The day, the night, it's like perfectly in the middle. You know, it's the beginning of the spring, beginning of the fall. So 12, it's literally 12 hours. So you have a perfect noon and sunset six hours and six hours so um, so he says so so he says that's 15 so that's what he means it takes it so that's the time 15 mil that's what he says 15 mil or take it to get your line you couldn't reach you couldn't arrive in time so if by 12 noon you're a median and it would take you you couldn't walk with, if you just walked regularly, of course, theoretically, if you if you galloped away with fast horses and you can make it, but if you're walking normally and regularly, you wouldn't be able to make it in time to offer to sacrifice your sacrifice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> From dawn till sunrise is five mil. It's the amount of time it would take you to walk five mil. Fifteen thousand feet. A little less than three miles. Nobody we know this. It says by light, when the Malachim came to light, the Shachar Allah came dawn, the Malachim pushed light to get out of the city of Sodom. It was about to be turned over. It says, so they left by dawn. Hashem, and it says, Hashem is My sunrise will late but the late arrived to Tsaya, the city of Tsaya, which he praised, ple, pleaded to Hashem to spear the city of Tsaya. Mm-hmm. I saw that place, I know where Tsaya is. Mm-hmm. And it was five mil exactly from the Dead Sea, from where Sodom was, where it was turned over. So I know that how long does it take to walk from dawn until sunrise you can walk five, five mil 
And I'm sure he wasn't walking like you're walking in the botanical gardens, like Shabbos <laughs> afternoon after Cholent. He was walking to get out of there, but he walked, a brisk walking, whatever. So, uh-huh. so that's, that's how far you get. That's how long. That's the distance between, that's how long it takes from, to go from dawn to sunrise. And the same amount of time is to go from sun, sunset till the stars come out. Right. Okay, Gufa, now he quotes what Ula says, Rabbi Huda argues, Rabbi Huda says, any place he couldn't enter in the time of eating. Any place he couldn't enter from the time of eating. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter that he can't be there at the time of the slaughter. He can have someone else slaughter for him. Right. But if he can't make it for the Seder, he can't eat it. Uh-huh. So he has to be far oh, away that he can't even eat it. Right. Taisa says he doesn't understand. How could there be an argument in Rabbi Yehuda? Such, a, such a, a large argument. Because what he's saying is he's so far away he can't make it to Seder. You can eat the Seder up until midnight. And according to Rabbi Kiva, you can eat the Seder up until, up until dawn. It's only the rabbis say you have to stop at midnight. So, you t- so it's such a, a huge argument. According to Ula, you're far away, you can't make it to Yerushalayim in the afternoon when they slaughter the sacrament, before sunset. According to Rabbi Kiva, no. He's so far away, he can't make it not in the afternoon and not at night. So here is a six hour and here's 12 hours, such a huge gap. The Mishnah says, from Median. So Yerushalayim, go measure it. It can't be such a huge difference. Mm. That, that Ula holds from Median to Yerushalayim is a six-hour uh, six mm-hmm. journey mm-hmm. by foot. And Rabbi Yehuda holds it's a 12-hour journey by foot. How could, I mean, just measure it. I mean, how, could you, how could there be such an extreme difference about a fact that's mentioned in the Mishnah? It's a clearly delineated. Mm. Right? It's a very strong right. question. So one answer Teisus gives, it could be that the roads... The roads became all closed and it mm-hmm. became, you know, you couldn't pass through the roads. Mm-hmm. So therefore you, you, can't, you can't measure. But Taisu says also a different answer. He says that, that they're arguing according to Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva holds that Chumen is biblical. Mm-hmm. That Chumen is biblical. You're not allowed to, you have, you have to be quarantined on Shabbos and in Yontif. You can't just walk past a certain distance. So that's the argument. And it's not such an extreme argument. It's actually a very small argument. Mm-hmm. The argument is, from Median, is it enough? Could you, the question is, could you get, you have to get on time, you have to get into the Tchum. In order to be able to, to partake in the carbon Pesach, it's not a question of I'm so far away that I can't make it till 12 midnight. No, according to everyone, you got to get there by 6 o'clock mm-hmm. in the evening. The question is, could you get within the Tchum, within the 2,000 Amas, within right. the 3,000 feet of the city of Yerushalayim by 6? Or you can't. Right. So according to Rabbi Yehuda, the problem is, no, you're going to make it you're going to make it, you can't make it. You're going to get to 601. <laughs> so it's tough luck. I have to sit there all pace. I can't, I can't join the Seder. Huh. You're outside the Tchum. You're, you're stuck. You can't join the Seder. 
And according to according to Rav Ola, you can get there five fifty nine. <laughs> you can get within the Trum. Wow. So it's not such a huge difference. Now it makes sense. It's not such an extreme difference. He holds you can get there in six hours. And Medin from Medin to Yerushalayim, you can walk in six hours. And 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 Rabbi Huda holds no. From Medin to Yerushalayim, you can get there in twelve hours. I mean, it's ridiculous. How can there be such an extreme argument about a fact? No, the argument is: Could you get within the Trum? Yeah. Could he get there by 5.59 or are you going to get there at 6 o'clock? <laughs> 6 o'clock. I'm a late Abelulu, Rabbi said to Ulul, Kashle with the Kashle. According to you, I have a question. According to the Ulul, I have a question. According to Abihud, I have a question. Lidi Doch Kashle, according to you, I have a question. Damn it, you say, Kolshin, Yochli, Kondesh, Meshashit. That you say that whoever can't enter b'shashchit. Now you would say give him a job. How is that hiding? Give him. A tummy shedits they cannot enter b'shashchit. The kamer sheichdim v'zerkin al tummy shedits. Someone who's a Tommy Shadows who came in contact with a dead mouse, a dead rat, or one of the eight shratzim that uh, contaminates when they're dead, their body contaminates, and you came and touched it. You can't enter B'Shashchit, the comment he says, Sheikh, the Mizerikon Tommy Shadows, you're allowed to slaughter it on Tommy Shadows. And really, there's also another scenario someone who's Tvul Yaim, someone who went to the mikveh already, and he's just waiting to the evening to be pure. Mm-hmm. And then, according to everyone, you're allowed to slaughter for him because he can join the seder. So the question, so you see, that all that matters is that you can join the seder. You don't even have to be there. So why, why, why do you insist that you have to be there? Why do you insist the Torah says that derech means you can't make it for the shechita for the slaughter? Why do I have to be there by the slaughter? I can send someone else to slaughter for me as long as I can make it to the seder. question, If I can't make it for the meal. For the seder, but Tommy Shalitz, you actually can't do shasachil. Tommy Shalitz, you could make it for the meal. The comma, and there's an opinion that says in Sheikhum Vizek, and Tommy Shalitz, you're not allowed to offer a sacrifice for him because even though you can make it for the sudden, for the for the for the, you can eat the meat at the night, you'll be okay. But since you're not okay, so what's it to help you? You can make it for the seder. Since you can't make it for the slaughtering, then it should then it should be you should be considered derech You're far away. So Amalei, Saula responded to Rabbi, and he says, It's not a question of me, it's not a question of Yehud. When the Titus says, you're far away, he's talking about Tahir. He's talking about a case of someone who's pure. And since you're pure, for someone who's pure, you have to be able to make it by the slaughter. It's not enough. You can make it for the Seder. You have to make it for the slaughter. Tommy is different. When the Titus says that you Tommy because there it says that he can't, he's far away and he can't make the Pesach. So even though he can make it for the Seder, but since he can't make it for the action, for the slaughter of the offering of the animal, the Titus exempts him. But when it comes to Tameh, the Taylor doesn't say. The Taylor doesn't say 
that he's fiery, can't. Taylor says he's tummy. Mm-hmm. It's because he can't eat. The problem with tummy is by someone who's far away, Taylor says he can't bring the carbon Pesach. He's too far to bring the carbon, to bring the sacrifice. Because he can't make it in the afternoon. He can't make it when they're offering the sacrifices. So he's exempt, even though you can make it for the Seder. When it comes to tummy, the Taylor is not saying the problem is not the sacrifice. The tummy is the person. The person is tummy. He cannot eat it. He can't eat from it. Also, the Torah doesn't spell out. The Torah doesn't say that he touched a dead mouse or dead rat or that or that he's, he came in contact with corpse impurity. Torah is not discussing. Torah is discussing that he he is impure. Person is impure. Uh-huh. That someone who is impure can eat at night. He can't eat. Mm-hmm. Since when it comes time to eat the pesach, he won't be able to eat because he's impure. So therefore. Therefore, in a case where he could eat at night, you can offer a sacrifice for him and he can eat at night. It's not a problem. So according to me, it's not a question. According to Abihud, it's not a question. You're asking why then a Tamishedetz are you not allowed to offer a sacrifice? You would say, someone who couldn't make it who's not far away. He couldn't make it to the Seder, even though he can't make it to the sacrifice, it's fine. He can have someone else offer the sacrifice for him as long as he can make it to the Seder. He's not, not considered far away. Yeah. He's not exempt. So you ask, why don't we say the same with the Tameh? Tumah, that's someone who could eat at night, but he can't bring the sacrifice. Why don't you say that he, she should offer the sacrifice, have someone offer it for him, and then he can eat at night? She mm-hmm. says, no, because Tommy Sheriff's Rahmanadach, the Torah pushed him off. The Chsivit says, Ish, Ish, Yetamil and Nefesh. It says, what happened there? The whole carbon Pesach Shani came about because it was, it, the, the people couldn't bring a carbon. They were impure. And the Torah tells us, Ish, Ish, and a person is Tamil and Nefesh. Mila Eskin, aren't we talking about Shechal Shri, Shalilis, Berefa Pesach? We're talking about it was the seventh day. What happened then? And the Torah says that we're talking about people who it was the seventh day. They came in contact with a corpse impurity, and they had to sprinkle the red heifer in the third day and the seventh day. And it was the seventh day. And at night time, they would be able to eat the carbon pesach. You should push it off. So tumah is different. But in the case of Derech if he can make it to the Seder, then he's not considered far away. Someone could offer it for him, and he can definitely join the Seder. Only if he can't make it to the Seder, because he won't be able to reach the Trum. Right. Uh, he'll come at there 6 o'clock instead of 5.59, tough luck, too late. So he's stuck, he can't, he can't eat the Seder, because you have to eat it in Yerushalayim. He can't eat it outside Yerushalayim. So, so therefore, that's why he's, considered, he's exempt, because he's too far away. Everyone have a wonderful